Which TV show has the numbers 35 and 56 in its logo? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. To quote Shakespeare, when shall we three meet again, in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won? Here for today's battle, we have Ali Spagnola. Hello, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being back on the show. We also have, from Electroboom, Mehdi. Hi, thank you. <laughs> How are you doing after, after last time? Oh, it's, yeah, I'm still recovering from the questions I was asked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and rein in the competition. There's no, there's no points here. There's no, mm-hmm. nothing but bragging rights, but it seems like you do like the bragging rights. Yeah, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, from his own channel, Super Saf TV, and from the Muslim Money Guys podcast, Saf. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me again. No worries. Thank you for coming back for uh, for a second round. Are you uh, you ready to go? I'm I'm feeling much better after that. With the the first round, I was uh, I was a little bit like anxious. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I'm confident, and I'm completely going <laughs> to ruin it now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the last show we're recording in this particular block. So I'll be honest with you. This is going to be the laziest rules explanation of the series. There are some people. There are some questions. Let's go. Easy enough. <laughs> Let's do this. Our first question has been sent in by uh, two listeners. Uh, Drove Gandhi and Josie both sent this one in. So, Air Force One, the US presidential aircraft, has made more takeoffs than landings. How's that possible? I'll give you that one more time. Air Force One, the US presidential aircraft, has made more takeoffs than landings. How is that possible? A few of them crashed. Oh, that's exactly what <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, to my... To my knowledge, Air Force One has never crashed. And I also think technically that is still a landing. Oh, well, I guess. Okay. Crash landing. <laughs> is it possible to land a plane in another plane? Is that a maneuver they do? You know, like air fueling, you can also put a plane inside one and then... I know you can launch a plane from another plane because that's how um, Virgin's spaceship is is getting to orbit. They, they take mm. it up on a, on a jet and then launch from there. Um, I don't think you can land a plane on a plane. That feels like something that Red Bull has done at some point. And we are just talking mm. about the plane, not the copters or anything else that is Air Force One. Yeah, I think the, the chopper is called Marine One, I oh, think. Okay. Is there always one in the air right now? So it ha- it's at least one takeoff that hasn't been cancelled out with a landing? Unfortunately not, no. <laughs> that would have been a good one, actually. That was, it would have been good. lovely. Uh, but this has been true uh, since 1974. 1974? So mm. we have a plane here that took off but never landed? Or the landing didn't count as landing somehow? Mm. Did, it, did, it, did it reach escape for velocity and just go off into space? <laughs> <laughs> it's just orbiting Earth now. <laughs> it's just constantly just there with the space debris. That's, that's actually where, no, I was going to make a JFK conspiracy theory joke and just say he was up there orbiting, but that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and weirdly, my brain went to, that's where Harold Holt disappeared to, and he was yeah. the Prime Minister of Australia that vanished. So that's not, it's not even remotely relevant deep cut <laughs> oh, oh no it's, it's one of my favorite uh, favorite stories about australia is that harold holt uh went swimming in the ocean vanished was never found um and and they named a swimming pool after him wow <laughs> uh, but no uh, air force one depending on how you count it has either had one or two more takeoffs than landings one or two what's that triangle that where planes disappear that just go in there and 
and manifest itself away. Bermuda Triangle? There we go. That's it. I, I have a guess. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Is it possible that it was Air Force One when it took off, but then the president switched like he wasn't president anymore and the president was someone else and that plane was not Air Force One anymore? <sighs> yes. Yes, you're, you're spot on. Where did that suddenly come from? Wow. <laughs> He's got Jeez. Google on his side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so who would that have been? This is 1974. What was going on? Uh, no idea, actually. Did, did uh, actually was it? Did someone die in the plane it, or something? Yeah, did he, did he have a heart attack or some? He was unconscious, and so then the the vice president took over for that amount of time. That would also have been right. Uh, Nineteen seventy four was Nixon. Oh, they impeached him or something, huh? And he wasn't the president. Nixon resigned or resigned. Right? Nixon resigned from the air. <laughs> Uh, he was not- like, peace out, but I'm on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of, yes. That He was flying home while his successor, Gerald Ford, was being sworn in. So at the moment of the transition of power, he was on Air Force One, and right. then uh, then he was on uh, SAM-27000, because the call sign travels with mm. the president, uh-huh. not with the aircraft. Wow. And so th- is this before they put him in, in, in that jar for Futurama? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah out of nowhere there, Mehdi, you, you got that absolutely well right. Air Force, Air Force One is a call sign, not a specific aircraft. So Yeah, that's what I remembered, yeah. So the transition of power happened while Air Force One was carrying the president and thus it just became any other plane. So we will go to Mehdi for the next question. Uh, as ever, I don't know the question. I don't know the answer. The guests have just brought one along with them. So what have you got for us? Okay, here's the question. Mesa Verde is a famous set of 13th century dwellings built into a cliff in Colorado. Scientists can accurately estimate when it was first built and when it was abandoned using the same method two different ways. What are they? Mesa Verde is a famous set of 13th century dwellings built into a cliff in Colorado. Scientists can accurately estimate when it was first built and when it was abandoned, using the same method two different ways. What are they? You can't carbon date a rock. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, hmm. yeah. You can't carbon date somebody leaving a building. 13th century. So this is, this is going to be... Native Americans somewhere in Colorado. I mean, yeah. I guess accurately means naming the century in this case, because like if if they happen to say that it was the twenty seventh of February, twelve fifty nine, I'll be really impressed. But I think it like presumably just the the rough time scale. D- did they have any like? I'm assuming did they have any um, paintings or like you know? I know they didn't probably didn't have scriptures, but did they have any carvings or anything that indicated this? No, it's not about that. Okay. I know you can do some dating by like uh, what's been left behind, so you can like look at uh, middens would be the archaeological term. But I feel like that's not going to give you an accurate date. Uh, like what kind of circumstances would cause a settlement to be abandoned? Oh, oh, weather, weather, some yeah, natural something happens naturally that would have caused them to know that it was built then and then that sort of natural earth same method for arrival and departure though two different ways would it be like like i don't know i know there's lots of things about the eclipse and things so was there like a particular time that they used you know 
something like that as an indication? Well, it's more to do with uh, something that the dwellings were made of, and they could use that to date it. Oh. So we're back to carbon dating. Like, uh, could you guess what they were made of in general in the cliff in Colorado, apparently? I, I would have thought they'd been dug out of the stone. Yeah, like but... carved into it. Okay, so it's about what they're made Because I was going to say some sort of animals that, that they're protecting themselves from and then ran them out. Yeah, why are they exiting? Yeah, well, the dwellings were mainly constructed using sandstone and mortar, mortar supported by beams. Beams. Sandstone and mortar. Wood. Well, it can't be carbon dating, though, can it? Yeah, no, I don't think it's I keep that coming accurate. back to that. It's not. <laughs> no. Um, it's not like the tree rings that they cut down to oh, make the beams oh, oh, or something oh, oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're getting somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. But, you, but that would only make sense for, like, working out. No, that just tells you how old the tree is when they cut it, it down is. to make the dwelling. That doesn't, that doesn't give you an accurate it. date. No, but then if there's... If there's other trees that were still there, then they'd be able to kind of calculate, like subtract the trees that were used as beams to the trees. I don't know. Some trees last a long time, don't they? Like hundreds of years. 800 years? Yeah. So then they're like, okay, this one's like 300 years minus that from 800. All right. 500. This is what it was. I don't know. (laughs) Since you said it, it is the answer. So I guess you win. (laughs) Examining the rings <laughs> in tree trunks <laughs> is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> How? The last tree failed uh, to construct. The mesa was cut in the year 1281. So they know when was the last tree was cut, I guess, and then counted backwards from there to get a more accurate <laughs> reading. How on earth do the they know that was cut down in 1281? So basically, you're looking at the rings in the trees, tree trunks, you can see the pattern of weather and climate in those rings. Like if there was a drought or there was a very cold uh, year or something, it shows in the rings. They'll be more packed or more spaced. So you will see the weather pattern for many years in the tree trunks. And that way... And you you can can match match that that to all the other records. Yeah, match that to the Mm. record and you know exactly when that happened. I said wow. weather. They left because of a drought. I yep. got points. <laughs> <laughs> all yours. There are no points, but you know what? Absolutely. Have some points. It's, it's the end of the recording Thank block. You. you all get points. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question comes from a listener. Thank you to Sarthak Chandra. In Danish, it's called the War of the Ants. Other countries call it ant football, ant hill, or fleas. One percent of it is from out of this world. It's largely disappeared, having been replaced by coloured rectangles. What is it? I'll repeat that question one more time because there's a lot of stuff in there. In Danish, it's called the War of the Ants. Other countries call it ant football, ant hill, or fleas. 1% of it is from out of this world, and it's largely disappeared to be replaced by coloured rectangles. What is it? I can see some coloured rectangles in your background. Is that a clue, Tom? <laughs> it's not. That's just the show's logo. The show's logo was not the War of the Ants. <laughs> out of right. this world, 1% of it is from space? So I assume it's not about ants at all. It just resembles something, like an anthill or something, huh? Yes. Okay, so 1% is out from out of this world. So is it uh, vibranium? <laughs> 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 Oh yeah, this is just the war of. This is just the story of Ant Man. It's just the movie. That's <laughs> it's got to be vibranium. 
1% of it is from out of this world. But isn't everything on Earth from out of this world anyways? <laughs> oh, oh, I've been out-technicalitied. <laughs> or, 1% of it is very immediately from out of this world. Okay, so maybe like a meteor hit the Earth and created something that resembles an anthill or... But what is left is a colored rectangle. Red rect- rectangle, was it? Colored, uh, colored rectangles. 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 And actually, I was, I was wrong to push you entirely away from the colored rectangles behind me. It's, it's, it, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't completely unrelated, but it's, it's not close. All these different places have different names for it. It must be something naturally occurring. And people are just like, oh, that thing that has this name. Yeah, I, I would call this sort of naturally occurring. There's, there's a strong sort of in there. Okay. Well, naturally, if we... Northern lights? Consider something falling from outer space on the ground, huh? Is, it, is, that, is, the, is something from outer space falling on the ground triggers the event that creates these rectangles, or...? Not onto the ground, no. When you rub your eyes and you see weird patterns, <laughs> is that yeah. all those different cultures have <laughs> oh. names for that? Oh, that is that is closer than you might think. Wow, okay. What? I was trying to be dumb here. <laughs> and, and this is how this show works. Sometimes you say something that sounds like a joke, and I get to go, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's, that's actually quite close. Hmm. <sighs> what would a war of ants look like to you? Giant human-sized ants with full armor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not what? scripting a YouTube video here. We're actually trying to answer. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, War of the Ants. Oh. Is it... The... <laughs> I saw the lights come on there. Yeah. It's got to be the black and white interference on a, an old TV screen. It's TV And now static. no longer we see ah, that okay. static. Okay. We see something else. Triangles. <laughs> yep. okay. There you go. It's called the War of the Ants or Ant Football, Ant Hill Fleece. There's also snow or sandstorm or rain. Yeah. And yet 1% of it is radiation and interference from space right. rather than just <clears throat> atmospherics uh, around here. And the coloured rectangles are? Pixels, we can call them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the first line in, I think it's Neuromancer by William Gibson, is that the, the sky was the colour of television tuned to a dead channel. And for someone my age, that means it's grey and cloudy. And for anyone who's sort of born in this century, that means it's just bright blue. <laughs> blue screen of death. Blue screen of death. <laughs> so, yes, the War of the Ants, uh, snowstorm, I mean, white noise is, is the technical term. It's the white noise on old analogue uh, televisions when they're not tuned to a channel. Uh, and yet 1% of it is from cosmic microwave background radiation. So it's the afterglow from the Big Bang. Ali, the next question is yours. Over to you. All right. You arrive at a fairground with a friend. You see a carousel in the far distance. Oh, I love these traditional English fairs, you say. That carousel was originally built in North America, not Britain, replies your friend. How could they tell? Again, you arrive at <laughs> the fairground with a friend. With an English accent this time. <laughs> uh, that was the best was, I could do. That was solid Australian, that was. It was great. Oh, <laughs> was it? <laughs> Okay, you arrive at a fairground with a friend. You see a carousel in the far distance. I love these traditional English fairs, you say. That carousel was originally built in North America, not Britain, replies your friend. How could they tell? So this is something obvious from a long way away. Is it because 
I don't know. North American ones have horses and original ones. Or buffalo. North American ones have buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Are we saying that they were originally invented in North America? No, it must be some, some property of this carousel makes it obvious right. from afar that it's North American. But why would that be built differently? Mm. You are right. You're too far away to see any words or symbols. So it is about the distance. It's just got a giant American flag on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fireworks going off. Yeah. Guns firing into the distance from the top of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the English carousel next door is just apologizing. Uh, <laughs> but weirdly, also invading several other carousels at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a punt on this and risk cutting the question short. Is it that one goes clockwise and one goes counterclockwise because because Americans drive on the right? It is that. (laughs) I don't know if it's because of the driving situation, but yes, you are correct. You have nailed it. Excellent job. Straight through the goalposts. Punted. I was trying to think of any properties of a carousel that you could could see from a distance. It's like, it's got to be the rotating thing, but... So North American carousels go the other way? Yes. So American carousels kept the rider's right hand free to catch a brass ring from a dispenser, which entitled them to a free ride or a prize. So the more decorated side of the horse, the one that faces outward, is called the romance side. And Wait, wait, they only decorate one half of a carousel horse? It's more decorated because you're not going to see the inside, right? Save a little cash, I guess. (laughs) I'm going to look for that next time. Next time I'm on a carousel, as Mm. if I do that as a regular thing. Yes. But yes, American carousels turn counterclockwise, British go clockwise. And that's easy to see at a distance. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut that one short. Uh, It's just there was nothing else going on. I can't think of anything else that it is. Um, Right. It'll give me more time to work on my English accent. (laughs) (laughs) Back to me for the next one then. Good luck, folks. In 1948, scientists George Gamal and Ralph Alfer released an academic paper. They credited their friend Hans as a co-author, even though he didn't really help to write the paper. What is Hans's surname? I'll give you that again. In 1948, scientists George Gamal and Ralph Alfer released an academic paper. They credited their friend Hans as a co-author, even though he didn't really help to write the paper. What is Hans's surname? Hans Christian Andersson? Not in this case. I, I mean, you feel free to name some some famous Hanses. Famous uh, Hanses. Not. I, I can't now come up with any other than Hans Gruber. But uh, down. His last name is Down. Hands down. Why? Hands down. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> 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 that just over my head. I mean, I know this is the last one in the recording block, but I thought I'd be faster than that. <laughs> that was good, Ali. Thank you. Perhaps something in his name is helped them figure out their problem that was answered in the paper. They're using, they're crediting him because his name sparked their solution. Well, I mean, I know that some professors, if you are the student writing the paper, you have to include the professor's name in the paper too, although they haven't helped. <laughs> uh, Hans was a friend. Okay. I don't know why that excludes him being the professor, but in my head it does. Is it because, like, the publication wouldn't accept a paper written by two people, but they would accept one that is written by three people? (laughs) Uh, No, I've seen workarounds for that before. I know there was someone who insisted on being credited next to their cat. 
Uh, and the journals <laughs> kept uh, kept rejecting that. Is 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 there a hint somewhere for his name or the names are important here? Okay, can we hear the names again? Yeah, it's uh, George Gamal and Ralph Alfair. Gamal Alfair and something else that kind of goes with the three. So the reason why yeah. they included him because that makes something. Those three names. It's a nerdy joke. Yes, yeah, you've got that joke. right. It's a nerdy joke. Okay. Gamel yeah. Alpha. Beta? His last, last name was Beta? Spot on. <laughs> His last name was Beta. It is Alpha, Beta, and Gamma. Yes. There you go. And they did that wow. entire... It was called The Origin of Chemical Elements uh, from 1948. And it was credited to Alpha, Beta, and Gamma. And is, is it pronounced Alpha? I don't know. I've only got A-L-P-H-E-R written down here, but I okay. deliberately made sure not to say Alpha in that sector. So oh, well, done. Been, yeah. well done on working your way through that one, Mehdi. <laughs> the final guest question of the show, then, goes to Saf. What have you got for us? So my question is... A children's book has these illustrations. A tree with five branches in different directions. A sun peeking through a two-pane window frame. A mountain with three peaks. The central one being highest. What is the book for? So, a children's book has these illustrations. A tree with five branches in different directions. A sun peeking through a two-pane window frame. A mountain with three peaks, the central one being highest. What is the book for? It's for reading to children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Points! <laughs> it, 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 it is something to do with um, teaching children, but what is, what is it teaching children? I feel like it's a science book. Uh, well, my my mind goes towards science because of light and scattering and things of that sort. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm leaning towards religion because the three peaks feels like some sort of uh, iconography, and the five uh, branches are very specific. It sounds religious to me. The second time you read the question out, mm. I was doodling that in front of me, like a oh, tree okay. with five branches. Oh, it all make no. I've got no idea. I've just <laughs> I've just got some weird ideograms in front of me and. <laughs> Nothing. Three with five branches. Sunlight going through two. Two, five, two, three. A tree with five. I mean, I'm just looking at my hand. Like tree with five branches could be a, an arm with fingers, but I don't know why you'd have three peaks or a sun poking through a two-pane window. It's one sun, two panes, three peaks, five branches. We skipped over four because it's unlucky. Oh, was that a callback to a different episode? Sorry. <laughs> and the the middle peak is important. So the shape of boop, up higher boop, and lower boop is important. Is this... Um... See, the center boop would be larger because I assume, like, if it was light scattering through two slits and the waves collide afterwards, then the first one would be brightest and the next wave would be lowest and lower and going forward. But there are only three. I don't know. It doesn't have anything to do with science, does it? Not, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a cautious answer. A sun <laughs> poking through two window panes. Is this like a word book? Like there's some connection between... Because you said the numbers specifically. So like 
is there a connection between five and tree or two and window or something like that? Uh, the the thing I'm remembering is like that memory technique where you yes. connect numbers Three to words. Tree. Yeah. So yeah. And, and you create a, a mental picture based on whatever you have to remember. Like I, mm. I, I, I can, can I remember what those are? Absolutely not. I just know the technique. <laughs> and like Four's it's door. Three's tree. So you, you, you're on this, you're on the right theme. You're on the right theme. It's not necessarily numbers as such, but you're on the right theme. Colors. Brown uh, tree. No, because the numbers a, are important. So, yeah. okay, so it's a tree with five branches in different directions. In There's a sun peeking through two, uh, a two-paned window frame, a mountain with three peaks, the central one being the highest. It's the central one being highest that's, that's got me. It's not just about the numbers, then. There's got to be... The sun is peeking. Does it have a face? Does it have eyes and it's actually peeking? Or is that a metaphorically peeking? It's, uh, it's no, no, it's, it's, it's not got eyes. It's, it's not yeah. the one from Teletubbies. It's three different <laughs> illustrations, right? They are not one image. Yeah three, yeah, three separate illustrations. And, you know, so we've said it's a, it's a children's book. So what are, you, what are you trying to teach these children? Hmm. Shapes. <laughs> could, it be, could it be a language thing? Mm. Like, mm. is there a language in which the number for five sounds like the word for tree in a different language? I am desperately searching for <laughs> any language in which that's true in my head. I, but I can't think like... Is it calligraphy the way you make the shapes of the words? That's why the peaks would have to be that shape. And the, the tree has to be all the different spread in different directions. Is it Chinese characters? That's, uh, he's got it. So oh. it's teaching children Chinese characters. Oh, okay. You got it. I was about to say sign language. So I was thinking no. that, but yeah, yeah. You, 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 you got the language bit right. And then you started going off and I was like, <laughs> and he brought it back in. So the idea is to use pictures as memory aids to remember what the Chinese symbol is for those concepts. The same concept has been used by a book called Dot Line Curve and a YouTube channel called Chinesey, which is a really clever name. <laughs> In Chinese, if you draw the symbols person tree, it means rest. Two woman symbols together means argument. That's oh, wow. contro- okay. controversial. Controversial. Ooh, let's unpack that some other time. <laughs> <laughs> but woman child means good. This is one of the things to do with sign language as well. Okay. Like I know very little about Chinese characters, but I know a few things about sign language. I think there was a push in America a few years ago to replace some signs because they they they're not great for the twenty first century. Like they're referring to like races and religions by just signing stereotypes, and they've sort of had to had to change some of those signs for this century now. Wow. Um, I imagine it's a lot harder to change characters. You gave me a reason to Google those now. so so what do the signs mean how do you get from tree with a branch to so the the pictures are basically trying to demonstrate um concepts so of a tree sun mountains in a visual way so you've got these symbols so you've got um the uh, tree with the five branches which makes that symbol but sort of looks like a tree then you've got uh the um sun peeking through a window frame so you've got 
the symbol there with the with the, with the little dots, and then you've got a mountain with three peaks. So with the one being highest, and then the symbol is you've got the two, and you've got the one that's higher in the middle. So it's basically trying to find visual cues for these symbols to make it easier for children to remember. So it's like, oh, what was this symbol? Oh, it's that mountain. Okay, I know how it goes. It's those three lines with the one in the middle being. Longer. But does the meaning of the symbol have anything to do with the mountain, for example? So they've basically turned the symbols into props in a scene. So with the, the lines for the tree, you've actually got a tree in the background a little bit to kind of give that um, representation. And with the sun peeking through the window, again, that's um, representing the sun. And uh, you've just got those symbols there that represent that and are good visual cues for kids to learn. So the symbol for sun is the window frame and the sun yeah. is shining through that symbol. Yeah. Oh, that's much. clever. I mean, I'd, I'd struggle with this if I was to try to do that. So good luck to those kids. They must be very smart. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how many characters are there? They have like 6,000. Do they? I think it's more than that. Yeah. Even it's a lot of characters. <laughs> so it'd make you very good at art. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. One more from me then. In 1963, which film director boasted that he was able to get 28,000 extras to work just for food? I'll say that again. In 1963, which film director boasted that he was able to get 28,000 extras to work just for food? Ooh, I feel like I got it already. Ooh. Oh, if you think right you've got it immediately, oh. Ali, you, you sit back from this one. Okay, well, now well, this is like an overconfident thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'm going to stick with mine. All right, if I you want to write it. down your answer somewhere, go for it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll take it on faith. If you, if you want to try Text and find it. my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, 1963. I'm so bad with names, I, I would never guess that. I mean, I would, I would take the film. If, if you don't know the director, I, I would take the film. It must be one of those films that require, I don't know, all the old movies pretty much, like the Cleopatra, for example. Had billions of people. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't really use ca- crowd simulations back then. So you <laughs> yeah. actually have to get real people. The food was electricity. <laughs> I mean, there are some beautiful old movies which which use tens of thousands of people in the back of them. Um, mm. And then just a lot of sort of cutouts and, and matte paintings. It was mm. a lot, lot easier to just draw 28,000 people and keep the shot level than... Uh, but no, these these were actual physical extras. These were not uh, a matte painting. These were actually in camera. Well, considering the question, I would say the guy didn't really care about human rights. <laughs> <laughs> so they went and found a whole lot of poor people, either from a, another country or from homeless people, <laughs> and abused them pretty much. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mehdi, the... On a light-hearted knockabout quiz like this. Wow. <laughs> that's gone very deep. <laughs> I mean, let's be clear, that's almost certainly happened many times in Hollywood. <laughs> yes. We're just gonna point the camera at people and they're not gonna not gonna care. We'll just we'll just put it there. They'll be happy to be in the movies. I'm sure that's <laughs> but on a, on a light-hearted show like this, we are we are not gonna be asking a question about human rights abuses. Well, right, yeah, yeah. I sorry, I just said the words human rights abuses while laughing. That's not a great it's <laughs> not a great look. <laughs> yes, we don't talk about human rights here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you, you went to the Qatar World Cup. Good. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, that was topical when we were recording this. <laughs> 28,000 people. 28,000 extras. Extras, like... 28,000, um, yeah. 
1963, what? See, my movie knowledge doesn't go back that far, but there's obviously going to be some sort of epic movie where there's going to be huge crowds involved. I'm trying to think of what kind of a movie would that be. So you mentioned Cleopatra. Um, what else was there during that time? Like Moses, for example. But I don't know if it had 28,000 people in there. Yeah. You think in the Ten Commandments? Yeah, that, yeah. Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments movie. Yeah. Uh, not in this one. We need no. 28,000 people in camera. Which movie would uh, that 28,000 extras. Extras, yeah. Extras. I'm doing the thing where I'm subtly correcting you on a thing and hoping you can, you pick up on it. Extras. Yeah, they have to be extras. I mean, you can't have all 28,000 as the first character of the movie. Oh, oh so they, they were extras, so they weren't necessarily in on camera. They oh, they were, have been... they were definitely on camera. Okay, they were wow. on camera. 28,000. 28,000 extras. 28,000 extras. Oh, so then they want people. Ah. I'm doing a very deliberate correction there. Okay, all right. So they want people. But, uh, I mean, didn't the guy boasted that he hired them for food? You don't... Oh, unless the, it was like sheeps or something. <laughs> Animals. I, I, can, I can see Ali smiling at this. I think, I think Ali's pretty sure <laughs> that you've... Uh... Okay, we are getting there. So we've got... All right, so there's there's extra, so there's lots and lots of animals, which obviously you don't have to pay them; you just feed them. What mm-hmm. animals would they be? Twenty eight thousand—that's a lot. Of, that's 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 a lot of animals. Well, on the bright side, it wasn't a human right violation; it was an animal right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what twenty eight thousand animals? Or the uh, the exact quote uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle was uh, the biggest crowd I've ever had. Uh, of course, they all worked for chicken feed. Chicken feed. Chicken feed. So they're birds, chickens. No, they ate chicken feed, right? Ali's just got this grin on her face. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's harder knowing the answer than not. <laughs> I should just leave. <laughs> um, if you're not getting it from this one, I think we're going to have to go to the person with movie knowledge, Ali. I don't even have movie knowledge. It just happens to be one that was in my brain, <laughs> so I can say it. Go for it. Is it Alfred Hitchcock's Birds? It is Alfred oh. Hitchcock with the movie The Birds. Mm-hmm. 28,000 birds. Uh, and he said, they all worked for chicken feed except for the vultures who had their own agents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the yeah. birds eat chicken feed? Oh, I guess they do. Yeah. So yes, Alfred Hitchcock once bragged that he had got 28,000 extras to work just for food because they were the birds from The Birds. <laughs> Right at the start of the show, then, I asked the audience this question, which was sent in by Nick Landis. Thank you very much. Which TV show has the numbers 35 and 56 in its logo? Any guesses from the panel? 35 and 56. Is it on a badge, a police badge, and it's some sort of uh, cop show? No. uh, It is in in squares. 3, 5, 5, 6. 35 and 56, two numbers specifically. Oh, 35 and 56. And you will have seen this logo. Are they Roman numerals? 5 times 7 is 35. 7 times 8 is 56. 7 is common in both of them. Does it have any? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not, but I really appreciate the fast lowest common denominator maths there. That's, that's great. That was impressive. Are they, are they door numbers? They are numbers of something. Like a documentary for whatever happened between years of 35 and 56? Uh, no, they are labelling something. Oh my They're God. also next to pairs of letters. Pairs of letters. You might want to look them up in a table of some kind. 
Oh, periodic yeah, I got it. periodic table. Like yep. it's, yeah. Okay, which means it is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Ah, okay, okay. The yes. BR and BA <laughs> in Breaking Bad are made up to look like the elements from the periodic table, and those are. Bromine and barium, 35 and 56. And if there was a pause there, it's because I was desperately looking down at my notes to remember what those elements were. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much to all our players. Thank you for battling through this gauntlet. What's going on in your lives? Let's start with Mehdi this time. Where can people find you? Well, people can, as always, find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Electroboom, and I also have accounts everywhere else under Electroboom or Electroboom Guy. Ali! I also have a podcast. It's Funny and Relatable Health, Fitness, and Longevity. And you can find me on YouTube making outrageous artwork and music under Ali Spagnola. And Seth. Yeah, you can find me. I'm Super Seth everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you look. If you just search for Super Seth, you'll find me. Mostly do tech videos, but also some podcasts. Thank you very much to all of you. And for the folks at home, if you want to know more about the show or send in a question yourself, you can do that at lateralcast.com. We are at lateralcast pretty much everywhere on social media. And there are weekly video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Alice Spagnola. Yay, thanks for having me. This was awesome. To Saf from Super Saf. Thanks for having me. I didn't do so well this time, but uh, I blame I blame jet lag. <laughs> you did fine, thank you. And Medi from Electro Boom. Yeah, thank you. And I did a little bit better this time, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom Scott, and this has been Lateral. <laughs>